Dangerous ground, dangerous ground. Very cool. Hey, um, we're, we're almost going to start a new series. Today, uh, I want to talk to you uh, around the theme of let us, not lettuce, like what you put in a salad, but let us. Uh, and I really want to talk to you around this idea that, that life is a team sport, right? That, um, that, that life is something that we do together, that life is, is better when we're together and better when we're, we're driving forward the same way. Uh, and I'm fortunate today, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit nervous because uh, preaching today could have been a little bit hard if the All Blacks lost, right? And I was, so I, uh, yeah, I was thinking about it, but I'm very glad because now all my analogies are much better. You know, if I was going to talk about the All Blacks pushing forward and then we lost, you know, anyway, they didn't push forward very well, did they? Uh, but we're going to start with reading the Bible because I think that's the best way to start pretty much anything. Uh, so turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, uh, and we're going to be reading from verses 19 to 25. If you've bought a bunch of Bibles, uh, I'm reading from the NLT, if you want to grab that, and it will be up on the screen there. Look at that. So good, so good. But read along with me. Uh, it goes like this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly into, enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Why don't you bow your heads with me, and we're going to pray. God, I thank you for the, uh, for the honor and the privilege it is to, to be your people to gather together here today and to, to lift up your name, to turn our attention to you. God, we know that you're always speaking. We know that you're always saying something, but, but right now we choose to intentionally stop and to lean in, to see what it is you're saying to us, what it is that, that you want to, to impart to us this morning. God, I pray that as I speak, I know my words aren't special, but you do something amazing in our hearts, Lord. God, I pray that we would leave here different than we walked in. And God, I thank you that we're world champions. Amen. Amen. That could have been, I'll say it one more time, you can amen a little bit better. God, I thank you that we're world champions. It's good, it's good, it's good. We're going to have Patsy busting out the song. He sang the national anthem for Soundcheck, and I won't lie, there was like a tear on my cheek. I was like, I have to go do something else. Uh, very cool. I'm going to make a wild assumption today and guess that everyone here has at some stage been to school. Is that, is that fair enough? I think it's fair enough, right? Um, you may remember uh, school being a time when maybe your, your body was present but your mind was absent, might be how you remember it. You may remember school being a, a wonderful time full of great celebrations. Uh, I went to the greatest high school in the world. It's actually uh, this high school. I went to Wellington High School. It's made all the better by our being here. But um, I enjoyed my time at Wellington High School. Um, Wellington High School's motto at the time was aim high, choose high, but everyone just said I'm high, who's high? So that was... Thanks, other schools. Uh, but I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed Wellington High School immensely. You might have seen, I think it's Ken McNatty is the guy's face on all the things at the moment. He's the new principal, but uh, my principal is Prue Kelly. Prue's my, my homegirl going all the way back. That was weird, eh? Anyway, um, so who remembers at school uh, a little thing called group assignments? 
Does anyone remember group assignments? Group assignments was when the teacher had a brainwave and realized if I split everyone into groups of four, I have to do way less marking. That's right, eh? AJ is my professional teaching uh, expert, and she's like, yeah, that's right. Right, and, and so, so they split you into groups of four, and they're like, right, here's what you're going to do. Here's where you're, you're, you're going to go. Here's what you're going to work on together. And I don't think there are many divisive things in the world, right? Many things that will separate a crowd. Many things that will polarize opinion. Sports, politics, the environment, uh, whether you should wear socks and sandals, whether you shouldn't. There's a bunch of things. But one thing that polarizes a crowd more than anything else is group assignments. Right, half of you here, as soon as I said group assignments, you would have got cold sweats, you would have started just remembering those, those traumatic memories. And, and some of you here would have, would have been all right. You would have been happy. But see, my wife, Emma, um, I'm going to pick on her lots today, but it's all right because I asked her beforehand. Uh, she's in the group of cold sweats, right? You say group assignments, and, and she's like, Ugh. she needs deliverance from horrible memories. And the reason that she starts to break out into cold sweats is because of people like me. You see, in, in group assignments, generally, uh, the project is, 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 uh, is a chance for me to do the one thing that I'm really good at, talk, right? See, so what happens is, is group assignments are interesting because really, and this might be a bit of a stretch of the analogy, but just go with me, they're kind of a microcosm of the world, right? Every group is kind of a, a mini example of what we find out in society because generally you can split any group into two categories, the, the talkers and the doers. See, the, the, the doers are, are hardworking. The doers are, are motivated, intelligent people who for some reason care about their grades, right? The doers often go on to complete PhDs. Uh, and then you've got the, the talkers, and they're not, um, they're not defined by their work ethic. Let's put it that way, right? If, if, you've got a, if you've got a talker in your group, you'll have a good time, have a fantastic time. Whether you get anything done is, you know, besides the point. See, the, the balance of the group is very important. If you have a group of just doers, you will get the project done, right? It will be done and then done again and then done a third time, and you will have got no sleep the entire time you were meant to be doing the project because everyone's just at the library going, no, we have to write that again. There's a full stop in the wrong place. Have to write it again. I don't think that research is right. Have to write it again, right? And by the end, it will be fantastic. And if you have a group of talkers, you will have the best time of your life. You will do nothing to do with the group project, and you will fail, but it will be fun, right? And, and, and so it's, it's important to get just the right balance in your group, just the right balance of, of doers to do all the work, and talkers to come along at the end and make it look pretty. Look what we did. I was definitely involved in this project. Sorry, some people are like staring daggers at me. Some people, you've never been more depressed in church uh, than when I mentioned group projects. You're like, this. I didn't want to be here today. Why, why are you talking about group projects? Why do we have to bring this back up? You could have talked about anything else, right? Why did you have to talk about group projects? Now I'm, I'm going to be mad. All Blacks won today, and you just spoiled it all. You just ruined it, right? Go the All Blacks! That's what you say if you're ever in trouble in church. Uh, but often in groups, you find that there's a, a clash between the doers and the talkers, right? Because the, the doers want things done, and the talkers want things fun. Right? And, and, and so what happens is I would love group assignments, especially when I got to university. Because for those of you who don't know me, um, I actually have a, a science degree. I'm putting it to great use. No, I'm not. Um, but I have a science degree, and, and most scientists are, are doers. Right? They enjoy the meticulous detail. They enjoy figuring out. And so what happened is, especially in my postgrad years, I could show up to a class presentation having done almost no work and just present really well and get the best grade in the class. Because everyone else would stand up the front and be like, you know, and they'd done all the research, 
but you couldn't tell because you couldn't understand anything I was saying. Whereas I got up, had done hardly any research, but just, oh, I mean, I delivered it so convincingly that they were like, wow, there was the only one that we understood. Fantastic. A plus. Right, so it was good for me. It, it was quite unjust if you think about it in the, in the grand scheme of things, but let's not get into that. Right, and, and here's the thing, though. The closest thing to, to reality when you're a part of school, the closest thing to, to what the world will be, really be like is probably a group assignment. See, life is full of group assignments. Life itself is a sort of group assignment. Some of you are like, man, this is just, can we, can we go? Can, we, can I sneak out now? Is it? See, but but I can prove this biblically. See, it, see it, says in, uh, it says in the Bible that God is triune, right? And what that means is that God is, is three in one. Therefore, it's not to say that, that creation was a group project, right? When, when God created the world, God didn't say, let me. He said, let us make man in our image. See, God in himself is community. See, we are made for community, and see, here we have Hebrews chapter 10, and, and Hebrews is, is written, it's a letter written to, to, to Hebrews, which kind of in the name, but, but the Hebrews are a, a group of Jewish people who have decided to follow Jesus, right? But, but here's the thing, this group of Jewish people who now believe that, that in God and who, who now believe that Jesus is the Messiah, they've, they've come from a Jewish worldview, Right, they've come from a view of, of following the Torah, the, the law, which was turned into around about 600 rules and, and regulations, and, and they have customs and, and traditions and, and animal sacrifices to atone for their sin. And, and this has been the way for many years, right? This is the, the traditional way of doing things. And now the message has been preached that there is a new way, right? That, that now it's not about following the rules, it's not about earning salvation, it's not about being covered by the blood of animal sacrifice, but that Jesus came. That, that God, the, the Son of God, came to die for their sins so that they could have a direct relationship with God. No more by proxy, no more going through the Most High Priest, no more uh, fearing entering the Holy of Holies, but that God wants a relationship with them. That the tabernacle and animal sacrifices and the law were all temporary, but Jesus was permanent. That Jesus was forever. That Jesus' blood spilled for us, made us ritually clean so that we can follow God. And, and that now it's not about the 600 rules. Now it's not about following the law or the animal sacrifices or the regulations. Now it's about trusting. Now it's about a relationship with Jesus, right? These guys were, were psyched. It was awesome. But, but what happened is this, this letter is, is, is to these Hebrews who are so pumped, so ready, so, so wanting to follow Jesus, right? And everything is awesome. Things are going great. And then their friends find out, right? And then the, the Jewish people who are following God, the Jewish people who are following Jesus, who aren't, who aren't doing the rules anymore, who aren't doing the sacrifices, their friends find out. And they start to notice that, that they're not sacrificing animals, that they're not following the rules. And, and so they start blogging about them, right? They start up a blog called Christian Watch, and they start writing down every bad thing they're doing. I saw this guy the other day, and, and he, was, he, didn't, he, didn't kill, he didn't kill nothing. He went to the temple, and he just, like, prayed, right? And, and so then, then they start to get a little bit more mad at them, right? Then, so, so you've got, like, a, a Hebrew guy, a Jewish guy who follows God walking down the street, and his, his friend's walking towards him, but he gets to that awkward point where one of them should move out of the way, and the guy just, like, gives him the shoulder. He's like, well, that's weird. Right, and then he's walking one day, and he's at the market, and he parks his donkey, he goes and does his shopping, and he goes to get his donkey again, and someone shifted his donkey, right, his donkey's not where he parked it, right, and, and then he's walking along the street, and someone starts to throw a rock at him, not, not to hit him, right, but to try to make him jump, and he's like, you guys are, you guys are a bit mean, 
Right, and then he's walking along the street, and a guy throws a rock at him, not to make him jump, to hit him. Right, and then he's walking along the street, and someone pushes him to the ground and gives him a kick in the guts. Right, and then it goes from that to, to they start trying to flog them, right? Go starts at blogging, ends up at flogging. It's a dangerous path. Right, and so here these Hebrews are, and they want to follow Jesus. They, they want to, to, to cast aside the law. They know that Jesus is more than enough, but at the same time, it's really hard because everyone's against them. Everyone is anti what they're doing. They, they're getting punched. They're getting, they're getting kicked. Sometimes they're getting fed to lions, and no one wants to be fed to a lion. Right, so there they are. They, they're being called names. They're being had things thrown at them. And so now these converted Jews who are following Jesus, they, they, some of them are getting executed. Some are being imprisoned. Some, some are being eaten by lions. And this is a letter written to these Hebrew Jewish Christians saying, we know it's bad. We know it's tough, but don't give up. See, we read in, in verse 35, it says, do not cast away your confidence. See, the writer is saying to them, don't go back, because these believers, they're starting to quit, right? They're looking around, and they're seeing people being beaten, and, and they're being beaten, and, and some of them to decide to, to start upholding the law again, right? Start just, just doing enough for, for appearance's sake, because this whole mess started when they stopped following the rules, when they stopped fitting in with everyone else, and so they look at their situation, and they're like, don't follow the, follow the rules, uh, be eaten by a lion and be beaten, right? Do follow the rules, don't be eaten by a lion, don't be beaten, and, and it seems like a, a pretty easy choice, so they're like, let's go back, let's go back to what we were doing before, let's stop doing this Jesus thing, and maybe let's not go all the way back, right? Maybe we can still have Jesus, because Jesus is pretty cool. Jesus brings us life, and, and Jesus brings us relationship with God. Let's do a little bit of the Jesus thing, and a little bit of following the rules, right? They start to do a, a little bit of both, a little bit of killing the family pet goat, and a little bit of praying to Jesus as well, right? They kind of mix and match. They start a bit of a, a spiritual buffet, and, and, and then, then this, this letter is written to them. And, and the letter doesn't pull punches. The letter said either Jesus is enough or he's not. Right? Either you're going to follow him wholeheartedly or you're going to go back to your traditional ways. Either you're going to trust in him or you're going to trust in the rules and regulations. You can't be somewhere in the middle. Right? And, and they're confronted with this, this, this urge that the writer brings them. Don't give up. Don't turn around. Don't go back. Don't go back to who you used to be. Don't go back to how you used to think. Don't give up. Stay with Jesus. See, see, today, I think this message is ideal for anyone here who at some stage in your life, you felt like giving up. At some stage in your life, you felt like it, it was just too hard. Right? It doesn't matter where it is, what it is. It doesn't matter if it was you felt like giving up on God, if you felt like giving up on, on a relationship, your family, a job, yourself, whatever it is. If somewhere in your life you felt like giving up, today this message is for you. Right? And, and if you've never felt like giving up, fantastic. Right? You're from Mars. Matt Damon brought you back, and we're happy to have you here. It's great. We didn't know there was currently life on Mars, but you're most welcome. We are very, very humbled that you would choose Equipus Church Wellington to be your first, you know, church experience on planet earth. But for the rest of us who have encountered this, this struggle of, man, I want to turn back. I want to give up. I don't want to keep on going this way. This way is too hard. Can I go back to what I knew? This is for us. See, see, for us, for us humans, giving up, feeling like, like giving up, it's a part of life on earth, right? In life, there will be days when things get to the point that they're just too hard. 
when, when things get to the point, and, and like the recipients of the book of Hebrews, you want to go back. See, sometimes going back makes no sense. Sometimes going back, we know back there was worse, and yet you want to go back, right? You know your past was worse than where you are today. You know that what you walk through, you don't want to go back to, and yet you're in a position where you feel like you want to go back. You know it doesn't make sense, but the feeling is real. See, I think the writer of Hebrews is, is convinced that, that Hebrews and the, and the rest of the Bible is, is inspired and authored by God, and so therefore, God is convinced that not giving up, it's a group project. Not giving up, it's a team game. Not giving up is only something we can do together. See, not only is life a group project, not only is life a team game, but not giving up in life, not giving up when we're doing things here together, it only can be done together. See, I, I want to show you, let me show you what I mean. If, if I turn back to to Hebrews 10. Before I do that, I was reading this week, I was reading um, in preparation for this message, and, and Pastor Judah Smith, who some of you might have heard of, he has this quote saying, not giving up is only possible in community. See, and that got me thinking. I started thinking and researching, and I, I believe that's so true, that the only way we can be who we want to be, the only way we can be who we know we're meant to be is when we do it in community. So I want to go back to Hebrews 10, and I want to show you this, this emphasis on community. This emphasis on it's a group project. You can't lone wolf it. See, so we're going to put it back up, in it, and it goes like this. I'm going to emphasize some words for you, right? And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life-giving way through the curtains of the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere and fully hearts, trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of a way to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. Do you see the theme? Right, in case you missed it, it goes like this. We, we, us, our, our, us, us, we, us, one another, us, our, one another. Right, see, it's a little bit obvious to me that this scripture is talking about us, that this is, is something we are meant to do together, that Hebrews 10, he's not writing it saying, this is what you need to do on your own. This is how you will get through it on your own. He's saying, you need to do this together. This is an us thing. It doesn't say, let me or let you. It says, let us. See, we are designed to live in that space of us. Because here's the good news, right? In community, when I don't feel like it, we can. And in community, when I feel like giving up, we cannot give up. And, and my me gets swallowed up in our us, right? When, when I've had enough, it, it can be all right. I can feel that emotion, but I don't need to fall back. I don't need to lose ground. I don't need to be knocked over because we can stand strongly around me and my weakness is swallowed up in our belief in God. When I'm done and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. This isn't, I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough just umption to do it anymore. We can stand next to me and say, it's all right. We'll walk with you. See, what's happening here is I can only stand here today because of us. Right, I came to this church 15 years ago, right, and I'm only here because people have sown into me. People have looked at me and seen past the stupid teenager I was and said, actually, there's some good in you. We can, we can work with this. 
I'm only here because people have encouraged me, because people have picked me up, because people, when they should have told me off and should have told me I was stupid, encouraged me and pushed me forward to who I should be. I'm only here because of what we have done. See, and the power of we, us, and our can keep you, me, and I from giving up. See, I am still here because there is a power in God's community. See, I think that in Hebrews, the writer is giving instruction to anyone who feels like giving up. There are, there are three let us statements that I want to look at, right, that, that I want to focus on. They outline what you can do, what we can do to not give up. You know, so much of the Bible is, is, is written in this assumed uh, understanding of community, right? This assumed uh, assumption of community that you and I understand that God is all about the church, that, that Jesus said he would build his church and that his church isn't just a Sunday morning. It's not just a Sunday night. It's not just happy clappy and praise songs, but it's a community, that it's a group of people committed to each other, pushing each other forward, dedicated to following God together. See, this is what Jesus is doing. Pastor Sam Monk says, church is just a bunch of people urging each other to go higher in God. A bunch of friends encouraging each other to push on to the next level, saying, come on, what's, what's next? And I love that because it doesn't mean anyone's ever done. You know, Pastor Sam or Pastor Jordan, they're never standing back being like, I got God sorted. It's done. I've clopped it. I, I won God. Done game over, right? They're, they're always pushing each other forward. They meet together and push each other forward. Man, what can you believe for in your church? Where can you dream to go? Where are you pushing yourself forward? See, that's why we believe in e-group. That's why we believe in doing life together in this church, because we need each other to push each other forward. See, these three statements, three keys to not giving up, right? The first one is let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled clean with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Which is a little bit ambiguous. Right? See, that this is covered in this religious imagery. These religious ideas of uh, appeasing wrath and, and blood to make us ritually clean and, and pure water, but, but let's not get caught up in the color of the language, although it's beautiful. But let's not get caught up in it and miss what's going on. See, what's happening here is he's saying, let us go right into the presence of God. Right? If we were to, to boil it down, my first point would be, let us go to God. Right? See, what I mean by that is, is if you feel like giving up, if you feel down, if you feel like it's all over, let us go to God. See, I don't know about you, but I've noticed in, in my life that when things are worse, Right, when, when I really need to pray, I don't want to. When I, and, and I don't just mean like, oh, things are a little bit hard. When things get hard, you often pray. When things get really hard, right, when, when life just seems too big, when it just feels like all you want to do is lie in bed all day, you don't often, in my experience, feel like praying. You feel like lying there, right? And so, so what happens is, is praying is one of the most practical ways of going to God. And, and when I should pray most, often I pray least, and, and so you run into that, that well-meaning Christian, right? Who's like, oh, how are you going? And you're like, things are quite hard. And they're like, oh, you should pray more. And you're like, I pray more than you combined. I pray so many prayers that my prayers eat your prayers and God doesn't even hear you. <laughs> right? I'm going to pray harder so God doesn't, I'm just going to drown you out. My prayer's going to beat your prayers. Don't tell me to pray more. <laughs> right? But, but what happens is, is that happens. And, and then you go home and, and you, you turn on your PlayStation and you boot it up and you scream at an 11-year-old child in Japan, right? It might just be me. It just might, might be a personal example. 
And you sit there and you take your rage out. You're like, stop screen looking. Forgetting it's online and they can't look at your screen. But you grew up playing split screen. So it's just your default. Right, but, but we're there. And it says, let us go to God. See, when I don't feel like going to God, I need some us to go to God with me. I need someone to stand in front of my TV, say the 11-year-old is not responsible for all of your life's problems. He cannot hear you when you're screaming at him. Please stop. You're embarrassing yourself. Right, and then to stand next to me and, and say, we're going to pray. And if, if I should say I don't want to pray, that they would pray for me. And I might just sit there, but that they would pray and they would invite others over to pray. And before you know it, bam, it's e-group. Right before you know it, I'm surrounded by people who love me, surrounded by people who want the best for me, who are encouraging me, who are pushing me on, who are saying, Jono, I know you don't feel like you can do this right now, but we can do this together. I know you don't feel like praying, but just let us for five more minutes pray for you. Right, see, when I don't feel like going to God, let us go to God. See, community can't be lazy. Community needs to be serious, invasive even, because life is real. On Wednesday, I went to the dentist. Don't worry, it was all fine. I don't have any fillings. I've got perfect teeth. But, but on Wednesday, I went to the dentist. And they looked me over and they were like, nah, yeah, you're all good. Book you in for another 18 months. All right, 18 months later, come back and see us again. We'll spend like five minutes looking at your teeth, tell you you're fine. I know I should do it though, but I can't. it's a little bit annoying. Anyway, right, come back. Right, and so often community is like that, that for us, right? Oh, I'll catch you guys up in 18 months. I'll have my community check up and make sure that I'm well connected in, in 18 months. And we see each other and we're like, see you guys later. I'll, I'll do the rest of my week by myself and I'll reconnect with you again on Sunday. Or I'll, I'll reconnect with you again superficially in e-group, you know, before we watch the video and then we drink some tea and then we go home. Right? And we treat community, we treat relationship like it's like going to the dentist. Like it's like another thing on our list of things to do. Like we tick it off and say, done, sorted. I, I, I don't need to worry about that anymore. But see, that won't work. Life will not pause because we're too busy for community. Life will not pause because we're too busy to be connected. The punches will keep coming. See, we need to be in community. We need to be going to God together. Why? For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled clean with blood's Christ to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. See, we find God together. We find God with us. See, people so often quit and give up because they feel bad, right? But because they feel bad because they think that God is mad at something they've done. And they figure, if I had done this, if someone else had done this to me, I would be mad at them and I would want them to feel bad, right? And so since I've done this to God, since I've sinned in this way, fallen short here, stuffed up in whatever I've done, God will be mad at me because that's how I would treat me. Right, and so I'm going to feel bad. And since I feel bad, I'm not going to go to church because God wouldn't want me in church because he's mad at me and I feel bad. And I'm not going to go to e-group because people in my e-group probably don't want me there because I feel bad and therefore they must be mad at me. Right, and we get stuck in this cycle, but part of going to God together is so that others can hit us upside the head when we make declarations like, I don't think God can love me anymore. That they can smash us upside the head and say, do you know what? The only thing going on here is you're being stupid. The only thing going on here, they can turn around and say, we are going to God. We are praying because you need to be reminded that we are washed clean. That nothing that you've done, nowhere that you go, nothing that you carry with you is going to stop God from loving you. He already died. It's already done. You just need to accept it. Stop thinking that your sin is bigger than God and get your perspective right. But I'm not going to say that to myself. 
I'm going to say, Jono, you're a really bad boy and you should feel really bad because God's really mad. And I need someone else to whack me around the head and say, stop being stupid. That's not how it works. See, let us go to God together. One of the greatest errors we can make is when we think in our minds that God is like us. If someone did this to me, I'd be mad. And so God must be mad. And you'll be stuck in that thinking if it's just you, stuck in a box of your own making. But as soon as it's us, someone else can be like, that's not God. That's not how he works. God doesn't say that. God says the opposite of that because we need us to call us out on our misrepresentations of God. See, first point, let us go to God together. My second point is let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. See, together we will always have hope. Together we will always be a people of hope. Let us be a people of hope. See, in community, hope stays alive. On your own, hope will die. On your own, hope will fizzle out. On your own, hope will come and go. But together, hope stays alive because hope is anchored in Jesus. And it's not so much about the promise. It's about the promiser. See, God can be trusted to keep his promises. My second point is let us hope. See, solo will lose all hope. Solo things will look bleak. We will lose perspective of who we are hoping in. See, how do we hold tightly? How do we hold on to hope? Right? With hope, we affirm. Affirm means to state emphatically or publicly. See, we need community to watch what we say. See, if I say I'm doomed, life is over, God hates me. I am publicly stating something over my life, even if I just say it to myself. But if I'm in community, someone can say, hold on a second, that's not right. See, God doesn't hate you, and, it, and if God doesn't hate you, you can't be doomed. Right? This whole worldview you've got going on, this whole lost hope thing, it doesn't make sense. God says he loves you. God says he loves you so much that he took your sin as far away from you as the east is from the west, that he died from you when you couldn't earn it. God loves you so you don't have a reason to lose hope. See, we need community so that when your mouth is sabotaging your hope, when my mouth is sabotaging my hope, someone else can step in and say, no, there is hope. Someone else can step in and confront my misspeak, my, my speaking the wrong way, my unfair and untrue declaration and say, that's not what God says. With your mouth, you are currently sabotaging your hope. With your mouth, you are currently doing the exact opposite of affirming the hope that you have. You need to change what you're saying because you're not going to feel different until you do. Let me start saying it for you. You have hope. Let me start speaking it over you. You are loved. Let me start saying the truth that I know I've read in my Bible is true for you and is true for me. God loves you. God has called you. You have a destiny and a purpose, and nothing you've done or has been done to you is going to stop God because he is bigger than it. We serve a God who brings beauty from ashes. We serve a God who will work all things together for your good. We serve a God who has great and glorious plans for you. See, we need us to step in when our mouths are going wrong to reaffirm the true statement of our hope. To be honest, some of you feel like preaching doesn't really work. Some of you are like, oh, John, I come along and, and you preach awesome and, and Jordan preaches awesome and, and Ali's amazing and we get great guests in and that's fantastic. But for some reason, it's not landing. For some reason, I come in and I hear you and, and I walk out ready to do things, ready to take the world, ready to, to change everything. But you know, Tuesday comes and your message is worn off. You need to work on your message's staying power. 
me get some snappier points. You, all your points didn't begin with the same letter. I think if they did, I'd have a better week. <laughs> right, but the problem is, is that this 30 minutes, it can't stand up to your 48 hours. See, some of you think that here is where you hear the most preaching. We preach to ourselves every day. We preach to ourselves every moment. Some of you are preaching a sermon series, and if I'm honest, the sermon series you are currently preaching to yourself sucks, right? It's titled, I Have No Hope and Life Sucks and Give Up, part one to 25. You're like, man, this sermon series is tough. It's because it's not biblically founded, and you're preaching it to yourself, and it's weird. Stop it. Right, but see, see what goes on is, is we need to realize that the preacher we listen to most is ourselves. See, uh, in February, we're going to start a series called Free Indeed. February is a far way away, I know, but get out your planner. Right, because I think it's super important that you're here for every single Sunday. It's going to be four or five, four, I think. Right, but chances are if you miss one Sunday, right, February, we're going through all of the things that bind us up, all of the things that chain us, all of the things that stop us from connecting to God. And I bet you, this is how things work. I bet you that if you miss one Sunday, that will be the Sunday that we talk about the one thing that is ensnaring you the one thing that is chaining you up. And I understand sometimes you can't make church every week. That's fine. But February, let's commit. We will be here every Sunday because I know that the devil is waiting for me to have that thing on so that I miss the one sermon that will address the thing that is holding me back in life. See, sometimes we need to prioritize being here together so that we can get some truth into us to confront our own sucky sermon series. See, let us affirm hope. We need each other to call ourselves out on what we are preaching to ourselves. Are we affirming hope? Just as I get the band up, my third point uh, is from this bit, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, and here's the the last pieces of advice that, that the writer gives to a group of people who are being killed, a group of people who are being persecuted, beaten, put to death, watching their friends die. He says, feeling down, feeling like giving up, encourage one another. See, my, my final point, point number three, is let us encourage one another. See, so often our response is encourage someone else. I need encouraging. Encourage someone else. I, I need encouraging. I'm so done with church. I'm so, I, I go all the time. I come along to church all the time and, and no one gives me a hello. No one shakes my hand. No, no one gives me a, a hug. I stand there every week on the door in my red t-shirt and no one ever says hello to me or anything. Right, I stand there every week. I get up on the stage. I preach a message that I put hours of preparation in and then I go out and I, I stand in the foyer with my arms out just, just ready for someone to hug me. And no one does. I stand there with my proverbial hat out. No one puts anything in it. Right, I'm waiting for someone to encourage me. And I look around and everyone else is standing there with proverbial hats out. Who's going to encourage me? Come on. See, all of us, we're the one who needs encouraging. Everyone's like, who's encouraging me? It's how we work. It's human nature. It's not something to get down in ourselves about. It's just something to realize. We will always be the ones in the front of our mind. And we're always waiting for someone to encourage us. You know, and so, so here we are. If you consider yourself a Christian, if, if you're someone that says, I'm following Jesus, I'm in a relationship with him, 
If you're a Christian, the Bible says that when we come to church, we should have already planned how to encourage someone else, which hits me around the head because I don't do that. I come to church planning on how to set up stuff, come to church planning on how to make sure the sound runs, planning on how to preach a good message, planning on how to say things in the most articulate way, planning on how to not fall off the stage as I get slightly too close to it, right? Planning on all these things but encouraging someone else. And here it says, if we are together together, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. See, and the Bible says that as we encourage one another, this is how we will be encouraged. See, imagine if we all came to church having planned who we could encourage, who we could compliment, who we could build up. See, this is how we will be encouraged. See, Jesus says, Jesus just flips everything upside down all the time. As soon as we figured out how it works, probably Jesus has turned it on its head and been like, actually, it's this way. We're doing things, first shall be last, right? We're doing things this way. Servant leadership, we'll do things this way. Right, but here we are. Do you need encouragement? Did you walk into church today being like, man, I just need someone to affirm me, someone to tell me I'm all right, someone to tell me I'm good enough, someone to tell me that I'm looking lovely today. You're looking lovely today. Right, but, but maybe you walked in and you're just waiting, you're aching, you're, you've been holding your breath for weeks now for someone to say something. I want to encourage you, build someone else up. Are you worried about your exams? Are you here and you're a student and you're thinking, man, how am I going to make it through? I don't think I can pass. Encourage someone else about their exams, right? Because inadvertently you speak truth over them, truth that you would never say over yourself that you need to hear. Inadvertently you will speak over them, man, you'll do fine, you've prepared, you've honored God, you're awesome. And then you'll be like, wait, I've prepared. Wait, wait, I've honored God. I'm awesome. Maybe I'll be fine. You know, you walk in and you speak to someone else and they're down and you're feeling more down than you think they could ever feel. But you speak to them, man, you're loved. Man, you're amazing. Man, God has called you for a purpose. He has brought you out into his glorious light to change the world. And then you're like, wait a second. God said, God said he loves me too. God said he called me too. Wait, wait. What I said to you is true to me. See, as we encourage one another, A, we create a culture of encouragement, a culture of building up. But sometimes the only person who's going to say the words that you really need to hear is you. But you're not going to say them to yourself. You need to hear yourself saying them to someone else to realize that they're true to you as well. See, let's not neglect our meeting together. Why? To encourage one another. Not, not walking in, hand out, waiting to get, walking in, hands out, ready to give. See, sometimes it's limping in, looking who we can lend a hand, limping in, feeling like we are the most crippled, the most maligned, the most neglected, looking in and feeling like, man, I've got a broken leg and you guys got a twisted ankle, but still I'm going to help you. Still I'm going to lift you up because the other person is looking you, seeing a twisted ankle, feeling like they've got a broken leg. But as we encourage each other, as we give and get and build each other up, our wounds will start to heal, or at least we won't be defined by them. At least the main thing on our mind won't be, man, my leg's really hurting. It's really holding me back. Why is no one helping me with my leg? It'll be, man, that person needs a hand. That person needs picking up. That person needs loving. And maybe as we do it, we'll walk it off. That leg starts to feel all right. That thing that was holding us back, that injury, that doubt, that despair, it, it starts to flow away. Because when we do that, it's impossible to be here and quit. See, my prayer for church is that this is a place that we could gather together. 
that we could build each other up and we could change the world. But we need to stop losing people for silly reasons. Oh man, I'm just feeling sad. I'm not going to come to church anymore. I'm just feeling busy. I, I can't do it. We need to be here. That church will be a place that we want to come when things are hard. The church will be a place that we need to come to when life starts giving us trouble because we need to, to come together to the one place that we know that we can meet with God with other people and be built up more than anywhere else. See, we'll finish in just a minute. We'll sing a song. And, but first, I want to pray that, that we would take very seriously the opportunity to encourage each other, the opportunity to step into community, the opportunity to have hope. Let us be the church. See, let's not underestimate the strength of a handshake, a hello, a hug, a kind word. A... Let's not us forget that God is waiting to use you. God is waiting to use me. See, sometimes in life, we, we look at life and we think, yeah, it's a group project. But I'm behind in the class. So I'll just coast. I'll just rely on someone else to do the work for me, someone else to push through, and I'll get a grade on their back. Which is fine, except the group project is preparation, and at some stage, we sit a test on our own. At some stage, life comes along, and it's just us. It's us and the problem. And if we haven't prepared, if we haven't connected, if we haven't built ourselves up in community, we're going to feel desperately unprepared, desperately just, just incapable of facing what what is in front of us. See, let us go to God together. Let us have hope. Let us encourage one another. See, to, to finish off, the, the All Blacks won today not because one person was great. They won because everyone pulled their weight. Right, some people scored tries. Sure, Ma'anunu put it over the line, but it was only because Sonny Bill handed it off. You know, in life so often, we only count the tries that we make. We only feel like it's a win if it was me that put the ball down over the line. I'm only getting somewhere if I get the glory, if I get the honor, if I get the pat on the back. But maybe we could start counting each other's wins as our wins. Man, Ma put it over the line and I handed it off to him so that's as much mine as it is his. I am proud of what we've done together. Man, Ali's e-group is cranking. It is taking over. It is, there's, there's new people in there every week. There's salvation. It's amazing. That is my victory like it's his victory because I pray for his e-group every day. Man, the worship team is pushing forward and, and, and I feel like I'm on kids and it's not going where it's meant to be, but I am celebrating that victory. Man, you got a promotion. I'm actually happy for you because when you push forward, I push forward with you because we do this together. See, it's not me, I, and ours. It's us together. See, can we be a church who looks at each other and actually cheers each other on? That actually is, is, is happy for each other's victory. See, before I go anywhere else this morning, I just want everyone to close your eyes and to bow their heads. See, and, and you might be here this morning, and you walked in and you don't feel like you're a part of any team. You feel like at the moment it's just you, you, and you. That when life comes at you, it's up to you. When things push you over, it's up to you. When it gets hard, it's up to you. See, we do life here together in community, and that's important, but more important is that we do it with God. That we have someone to turn to who's bigger than us, who's bigger than our collective, who's bigger than us on our own, that we can turn to Him and He picks us up, that He encourages us, that He redeems us and calls us forward. And if you're here this morning and you know that currently you're not in a relationship with God, 
currently it's you on your own. Maybe you followed Him once, but you don't feel like you are anymore. Or maybe you've never asked Him to come into your life. You've never said, God, I need you to be God, not me anymore. If you're here this morning and that's you, you know that currently you're not following God. Currently it's on your own. And you want to ask God into your life. You want to follow Him. You want to give something different a shot. If that's you here this morning, I want you to raise your hand right now. And as you raise your hand, it's nothing magical, but it's a physical representation, a physical acknowledgement to yourself of the decision you're making. So if you're here this morning and this is you, if you want to make this decision, if you want to pray a prayer with me in just a minute to say, God, I need you in my life. I need to follow you. I just want you to raise your hand now just to let me know. Awesome. I see that hand. If there's anyone else here this morning, I'm not going to push it much further, but I don't want to let this opportunity slide you by without you having a moment to think about it. If that's you here this morning, and you know you need God, you know you need Jesus, you know you need to follow Him, you want to change what you're doing, join the team. If that's you, I just want to give you the opportunity one more time to raise your hand. Awesome. I want us to pray a prayer. Is that all right? I just want you to repeat this after me. Dear God, Dear God, thank you. Thank you. For loving me. For loving me. So much. So much. Even when I couldn't earn it. Even when I couldn't. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for calling me. And giving me a purpose. Giving me a purpose. Today I choose to follow you. Today I choose to follow you. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for what I've done. But I'm excited for what the future holds. And I'm excited for what the future holds. I love you. I love you. And from today. And from today. I choose. I choose. To follow you. To follow you. Amen. See, and we're going to go into a song in just a minute. We're going to go out praising because I'm over time. But before I do, I just want to pray for us. Is that all right? Because I strongly, wholeheartedly believe that community is an issue for all of us. That no matter who you are here today, how well-connected you feel or how unconnected you feel, we can all go further. We can all keep on going. We can all push forward. We all need someone to come alongside us and say, come on, let's go higher together in God. Right, so why don't you just bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray for us that we would be a people of community. God, I thank you that, that we have the honor of gathering here together. That it's us seeking you. That, that we have an individual relationship with you, yes, but that, that we find strength together. That together we can follow you, God. That together we can go to God. That when I get weak, when my me gets in the way, that our us can stand beside me and say, we can keep on going, God. That we would be a church that has hope. That we would be a church that stands next to each other and says, the words that are coming out of your mouth right now are not right. Let us affirm your hope correctly. You are chosen. You are called. You are going to make a difference. God, let us be a church that encourages each other, that we would be known for our statements of love that we would pick each other up, God, that we wouldn't rely on someone else to say a kind word to someone else, God, but that even as we walk in feeling broken, that we would walk in knowing, looking, who can I encourage today? Who can I build up, God, that let us come to you together, God, that we would be a people defined and found in our love of you together, God. God, that we would know that it is in our community God, that you came to build your church. God, that it is us doing it together. That we would leave here knowing that, God, that wherever we're at, we would step it up someplace, God. God, wherever I'm at, that I would step up, that I would see where I can keep on going, see where I can push forward, and that 
then next week I would be in more community, more connection than I am right here. That we would always be pushing forward, pursuing you. In your name, amen.